Exciting news! We're doing another live episode of Silver Screen Queens for the release of Star Wars Rogue One. Um, we're going to watch a screening of the movie followed by a brief review and then an audience Q&A. If you'd like to join us, the screening will be held at Palace Electric in Canberra on Friday, December 16th. Um, check out silverscreenqueens.com for tickets and we'd love to see you there all dressed up for our Star Wars review. Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and occasionally some TV and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life, released in 2016 with Amy Sherman Palladino as showrunner. The plot of the show goes something like this. Nine years after the finale of the original series, this revival follows Lorelai Rory and Emily Gilmore through four seasons. That's four, like... Weather seasons. seasons. Not TV seasons. It's four hour and a half long sort of episodes of, a, of the revival yes. show, I guess. Winter, spring, summer. Summer and fall. Yes. And to me, for better or for worse, for all of its flaws and all of its good parts, this was basically, it was Gilmore Girls. Mm. Um, um, anybody who's looking for Gilmore Girls, this is it. Yeah, you know, I, just no... before we get fully into it, I just want to call a spoiler warning. If you haven't watched it yet, I mean, I, most of you will be listening to this and you have, but we're going to talk spoilers. So from now on. Yeah. All right, continue. Yeah. Um, it was it was basically just jumping straight back in there. Mm. Um, there weren't any moments that didn't feel like Gilmore Girls to me. It was just like they had the music, they had the stars hollow, everything was just like right there. Mm. There were a couple of bits to me that sort of rang a bit um, like <laughs> – it sounded like the showrunner was doing a kids these days kind of writing. But she used to do that too. Ah, right. I don't think that's new. She's always been like that. Right. So I um, haven't actually watched this since it was on TV and I gave up watching it on TV roughly around the time Rory went to college. So that meant I knew who Logan was but didn't know the rest of it, didn't know the old guy that Lane was married to or any of that stuff. <laughs> that's really funny. Um, no. Um, I'm just like, we get to Lane's house and I'm like, okay, I know Lane married and had twins and I know we've discussed this before. He's the same age as she is. In real life, he looks like about 10 years older. I know, older. but the characters are the same age. I just thought that was funny. Um, yeah, no, um, I did watch all of the show, including the terrible season seven, which I actually didn't watch Do the first know? time I watched it through. I, I went back. So I've seen it all the way through apart from season seven twice. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I watched it on TV. So that means if I was, you know, away one week, I probably missed it and didn't catch up, like, because this was, you know, 2004 or whatever it was. Um, but apparently I saw an interview um, just yesterday with uh, Lauren Graham who had forgotten that she ever married Christopher. Like, when she went back to film it, she was like, I was never married. Oh, wait. <laughs> that is really funny. Mm. Um, it seems yeah, because like, that was a terrible idea. Yeah, well, it seems like uh, there's a, that, this whole interview is really interesting, actually, because it seems like she – she got a producer credit on the last season because basically she was the only person in the room saying, um, hang on, wait, this happened. Hang on, shouldn't we do this? And like oh, actually God. with the sort of institutional memory. This is this is unsurprising because it's, it was genuinely like a different show mm. that last season. Um, even before that there were some problems. But, yeah, um, this kind of – I mean, it, it this was much more Gilmore Girls than the last season mm. of the show was. Um, it was – and it, it is that kind of – I mean, Amy Sherman Palladino has – a very distinctive voice, and some of yes. that is kind of kids these days. She's always, but that's that's sort of a part of who she is. I mean, she used to do that too, you know. And she, um, oh, okay, so I didn't know that, and I, and she well, can be really caustic, rather, and I'd forgotten that bit of it. Like, and so there were lines about 
trigger warnings or um or millennials yeah. and I was like these just sound like an old person trying to throw in language that doesn't quite understand what they're talking about. No, it, yeah, it's partly that, but I think it's also partly that Amy Sherman Amy Sherman Palladino has a real kind of disdain for mainstream anything. Ah. Um she is very kids these days about everything. Like even Rory, when she was a kid, would talk like that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of that kind of thing. And I think it comes out most in Luke. Um, yeah. But there is, there is that kind of thing. And there's also the kind of, there's like the, you know, really caustic mean jokes about nerds and fat people and, mm. and the terrible racist jokes about Emily's staff and all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, that they all made me feel quite uncomfortable, particularly uh, the fat people one as well. I, I was so like, mean. What? well, it was also it mean. sort of came out of nowhere. It, it was also like these are your people who are friends with Babette and Suki and other fat people in your lives. Would you sit there and do this to them? Yet you're doing it to all these people at the pool who you probably know. Like mm. it just seemed sort of also not not only just like mean, but out of character. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's well, it's I don't think it is out of character, but I do think it's mean. Um, and it's, it is something that's, that was again, a problem with the show. And, you know, when they make fun of nerds and things like that, although, um, there's, the, you know, the, when they do the lines, mm. yes, there's a bit when they're in one of the lines and it's for some kind of comic book thing or something yeah. and they've got, um, Wonder Woman and, and somebody behind them. But then behind that, there's the, um, comic book middleman and, and Wendy mm. from, um, the middleman comic, um, which was really cool. I got excited about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, it's, uh, it's, which um, is funny because they are clearly nerds. Like they've got these bits of dialogue memorized from all these movies. So yeah. they're clearly nerds themselves. Yeah. That's and, the which thing. is why then when they make fun of nerds, it feels less silly because they're making fun of themselves. But they're not making fun of themselves because they don't think they're the nerds. They think the other people are the nerds. Right. Like when Rory has sex with the Wookiee and she's like, mm-hmm. Oh, he's the nerd. And you're like, you're the one who had sex with the Wookiee. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but th- things like that are, are fairly, they're fairly typical sort of, yeah, Gilmore Girlsy but, things. I mean, Part of that to me is the appeal. I like that these characters are not perfect. I yeah. like that they're mean and stupid and they mess up and they – like, that's part of the appeal to me at least. Yeah. I mean, it just wouldn't be Gilmore Girls without Rory making terrible decisions over men, right? Mm-hmm. Like, terrible decisions. Somebody – I was interested uh, – somebody was talking about how Jess – actually, a lot of people talk, talk about how Jess is the only person who really changed. And, man, like, I'm not a Jess fan. I am avidly not a Jess fan. I hated that kid watching the show because I came to this show again – as an adult, I didn't watch it when it was on TV. Ah. I watched the whole thing after it had finished. Yeah. And, uh, and Jess is an appalling teenager. Like he is just the worst person. He's horrible to everybody, um, all the yeah. time. Uh, and he's not a good influence at all. But then in the revival, I liked Jess. Well, I actively yeah. liked okay. Jess. The, his, the first scene that he was in, he was all right. But then when he went outside, all the interactions between Jess and Luke are great. When he goes outside and he hugs Luke and then he takes his hat. I was like, that's that's exactly right. That's spot on. That's perfect. And that was one of my favorite little character moments in the show. So, and he's, but in my to my mind, he's not the only person who's changed because Rory also significantly yeah, changed from when have... she was in high school. She just got a lot worse. Yeah. Well, they. I mean, yes. Um. But Jess, see, I didn't mind Jess on the show, but it must be remembered that I am about a year younger than Alexis Bledel, and I was watching it in real time when it was airing. So I was twenty two or whatever. So to me, like. I, I got Dean. I understood Dean because we've all like had the first safe, nice boyfriend. He's, but he's not. Oh, he's actually I know quite he, abusive. Yeah, he doesn't turn out to be nice. But, um, it, but like you know, I could see why she was. He was appealing, and then I could really see why why Jess was appealing. But at the same time, I was kind of glad when he left. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm. People are like, are you team Jess or team uh, what's his name, Dean? And or Logan? I, I, or team Logan? I'm like, oh, well, 
this this revival is obviously Team Logan, but I'm kind of Team Rory should stay single for a bit and kind of figure her own shit out. I would say this revival is more Team Jess than Team Logan because she broke it off with Logan by the end of it. Yeah, I know, but it's I don't know. I, it's mu- it's much more saying, pro Logan than anybody yeah, else. Yeah, well, is. everyone's saying that Logan is Logan is her Christopher and Jess mm-hmm. is her Luke. Mm. Um, which I think Logan is interesting. Is Christopher, which I didn't notice when I was watching the show, but as soon as Christopher showed up in this one, I was like, oh my God, they're actually the same person. Yeah, all the same de- like detail about the family business and everything as well. But they, but they look the same yep. now too. <laughs> like Matt well, not, not quite. Re is growing up to look so much like the guy who plays Christopher. I mean, to me, like fair haired and stuff, but yeah. No, like their faces looked the same to me. Like yeah. when he, when Christopher so showed I, up, I, I was like, oh my God, yeah. he is Logan. And also I can't remember Matt Shukri from the first round. Like I va- vaguely, I watched a couple of episodes of the first season of college. So I do remember him and his Porsche and stuff, but I have just watched like almost all seven seasons of, of um, Good Wife. So mm. I'm quite attached to him from that. Mm. Um, so I was a lot more like, I was sort of understood. But I also totally, it, the weird thing is that L- Rory's, 32, not 22. If she was 22, I would totally understand running off to London to be with your hot boyfriend who you know is bad for you. Mm. I totally would get that. But it seems a little bit weirder in someone who's our age. Well, also, Rory is just a cheater and cheats constantly with everybody. Like, she had a boyfriend through this whole show. Yeah, She doesn't was... break up with him till the very... He breaks up with her by text at the very end yeah, of the show was... after a year of it. Yeah. And they'd been dating for two years at the beginning of the show. This Paul guy who was like, Ugh, unbelievably bad. Why? Um, yeah, that but that just bizarre. seems like a bad decision too. But like, I totally get the appeal of going back to Logan though. That makes perfect sense. But then again, but, Logan but... is engaged to somebody else. Yeah. The first time she had sex, it was with Dean when he was engaged to somebody else. Like, L- Rory cheats a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot. I was, that seems to be like a defining character trait for Rory. Um, and it's funny because she's so like, she changed so much and she kind of starts out as the good girl role. But by the time she's in this revival, she's just not that at all. Mm. Um, and it's funny that it's, it's Lorelai's the good girl. Well, yeah, but more. But, I mean, there's the thing is like, there is no such thing as a good girl no. or a bad girl. Then that's the whole, the whole point of the thing. And they all kind of learn it. I actually love Emily's journey, honestly, mm, in this movie. Yeah. I love watching her journey. Well, she gets the best one. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that, that it is interesting actually because it, the Rory character is such a, a stereotype or an archetype, like because it's you think she would become like Paris, you know, she because she's kind of like the smart, scrappy girl without Paris so much. <laughs> I love her too, but like, but R- Rory's character right it starts off as a bit of an archetype of like the smart, scrappy girl, um, and Paris is obviously like a counterpoint to that and taken to extremes and add in money and all this kind of stuff. But Rory's character starts out as a certain type of archetype about nerdy, well-behaved good mm. girls right and i like that it goes away from that yes i love paris too paris and michelle kind of got me through this uh, yeah <laughs> um yeah no i um kind of see where you're coming from with that um but i just don't like rory much um but this is a problem that i have okay so i was been thinking about this a lot with the three shows that were on at the same time that were um, Veronica Mars, Buffy, and Gilmore Girls. They're all on roughly the same time. They're mm. very much my era um, and yours too, but I don't think you watched as much of the other ones. I watched them all, but I didn't really watch Veronica Mars until I, – I watched bits of it while it was on, but I mostly watched it after it. Yeah. They all came out in an era where television was much harder to get hold of. You had to either be home and watch it at, on the time it was on. 
it was there wasn't streaming it was much harder to download things and i wasn't i was sort of i was also like 22 and stuff so yeah. i was moving around and i didn't have much well as much time to deal with that kind of thing so yes but i did watch them eventually well i watched veronica mars i started in season two and it was the first show i ever downloaded um legally um <laughs> it was the first show that i ever like you know watched that way yeah and i watched it because joss whedon said it was his favorite show um yeah. but and and veronica is my favorite out of those three women um, but there's this thing about the teen girls of that era where, like, they all make terrible decisions regarding men. All of them have the same boyfriends. Um, Veronica has Duncan, Piz, and, uh, Logan. Oh my God. Um, they <laughs> all have the same. So then Buffy has yeah. Angel Riley Spike. Riley, yeah, Riley's and, Dean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Riley's, uh, Riley's Dean slash Piz of the three of them. Uh, Piz is the best. And honestly, out of all nine of the guys that I'm going to list, the only one that I would ever date is Piz. And I don't care what any of you say. I am team Piz for life. So there's, uh, yep, Angel, Riley, Spike. And then Rory has, um, in the order of that, I suppose it would be, um, Logan, Dean, and Jess. Mm. So Jess is the Spike slash other Logan <laughs> from mm. Veronica's Logan. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dean is, um, Piz Riley yep. guy. And then Logan is the um, angel or the Duncan. Mm. Um, so it's – but but I think Logan, Veronica Mars Logan, Logan Eccles is kind of a cross between Logan and Jess from Gilmore Girls. But, he's, I mean, they yeah, all essentially he, have the same boyfriend. He's got the – well, he, yeah, he's definitely more the – he's definitely the bad boy sort of archetype, but he is not um, a bad person. Who, Logan? Logan Eccles, yeah. Eccles. Well, Lo Logan Eccles is also um, – M m deeper, I think, than the yeah. other guys. Yeah. Um, but again, a terrible boyfriend. They're all terrible boyfriends, and they're all awful. And this is the thing: they all just have this terrible taste in guys, and they all do stupid things for the guys. And I had trouble connecting with all of them at some point. You know, they all kind of. I I've always had trouble with Buffy, and then Rory as well. The only one I really like is Veronica. I kind of get Veronica a little bit. It's better. funny how you th uh, and also like they're better off when they're not actually really coupled up like yep. i always think i don't i know that buffy has all these relationships that go throughout but i don't i mostly think of her as, as on her own and even in the show which is that, funny because she so rarely is yeah and even in the show like in sorry in gilmore girls with rory rory works so much better when there isn't like a boy around all the time that they invent a stupid boyfriend that's not there that she needs to dump just to kind of keep all the other boys away they couldn't get chad michael murray right who was chad michael murray tristan play? Because there's this scene oh, where yes. Paris oh. sees Tristan and you're like, that's not him. Yeah. <laughs> like, even in the funny? three seconds of, that I saw him for, where I'm like, that's not Tristan. All the actors they couldn't get back for like, it, it would have, it would have been like a morning's worth of shooting. So it's not like, that's a very, it's odd. And he's, you know, I mean, like he's done pretty well for himself, but it's not like he's so famous that he's hard to get hold of. Like the whole thing with Melissa McCarthy where she's like, oh, nobody's asked me and she would have, she was only able to do like a day. Mm. It was, it's not like he's that famous. Maybe he just didn't want to, or maybe his lawyers couldn't negotiate the contract or something. I don't know. That was the, but seeing Tristan was the prelude to one of my favorite scenes in the entire revival, which is, or one of my favorite moments in the entire revival, which is just when Paris like ninja kicks the door to oh stop people God. coming in. I loved it so much. I, I, I was like, you guys are 32 years old. So that, you, that's going to hurt tomorrow. Like she just splits her legs over with her heels. Oh my God. She's, she's wonderful. Liza Whale is luminous as Paris Geller. Like, Paris Geller, I think, is the best character on this entire show. And she is so 
funny and so sharp and so there and like everything she does I'm just glued to the yeah. screen oh, she's whenever amazing. she's on. I'm sorry and I just remembered they got they managed to get Danny Strong in but they couldn't get Chad Michael Murray anyway and Danny mind. Strong is doing Doyle is doing what Danny Strong does now which made me really proud and happy I know it was but you know cute. I have a, yeah. I have a like I love Danny Strong I have a connection with Danny Strong mm. um I, well, I didn't quite recognize him at first. I was like, he looks familiar. I would looks recognize like that of, voice anyway. I was like, looks like one of the nerds from Buffy, but I can't remember which one. Yeah, um, that made me really happy. And then they make they actually made a Buffy reference. Um, Rory says yes, five, five by five, five, and I flipped out. <laughs> they talked um, about actually talked about Buffy more than once, I think. Yeah. Um. So, but um, what was I going to say? I don't uh, remember. I but yeah, know, I there are certain moments. I think I certain think it's people. An Empire reference too. Certain people and certain characters coming back. Like some of it felt a little forced but it never felt too forced it never felt like they were just putting it in there for the sake of having it there you know everybody kind of had their reasons for being around yeah and and to see everybody again is nice there are certain people that you want to see more than others obviously but uh and i'm sure there's certain people that you know some yeah. people are very excited actually, about. actually one of the ones that worked best was actually um jared padalecki's little cameo in the store mm. that was nice because it, it actually kind of it it, it was like They've def. They're not. They're over. There's nothing there. They're not going to get back together. There's no. He's not an option anymore. It was just like two people who'd known each other a very long time ago and shared a very intense time. Just going, hi, how are you doing? And like that yeah. was it. I, I liked that. That was closed and over and done with. That was nice, but at the same time, you're like, Dean was not the guy that the show paints him to be. He was possessive and he was like borderline abusive. You know, he he didn't kind of. And you, you can't help but wonder if things had may have gone differently if he hadn't been the way that he was he was very jealous and very angry and would say awful things and rory didn't treat him particularly well either but that even before that happened there were certain things that he would do that i was like those are like abuse red flags when he does certain things and logan too is very manipul emotionally manipulative but you know he's christopher so that makes sense yeah well and that i didn't would, know he but also but but also logan is like wealthy and privileged and he's got he this is. born to rule kind of attitude about him of course he's like that yeah that whole um bit where the life and death brigade came back by the way the bit where the life and death brigade came back is almost exactly like the there's there's a scene in across the universe that uses the same song the um get by with a little help from my yep. friends um um but it's sung by the people in the movie because it's a musical and um they play golf off rooftops i'm pretty sure in that scene. so it basically just is is copying another movie well that's what i thought but i maybe i'm wrong but i remember it being very similar to that um because i actually didn't mind that i didn't know what was going on there because i didn't recognize the australian kid i didn't recognize he's really australian i had no idea yeah, i was, he was like really why australian. is his accent so bad when i was watching the no, show no, he was, i was like oh he's is he playing english and then I was like, but that's an Australian playing English. Like, I could hear in his vowels that he was Australian, but I think he's actually meant to be Australian. No, yeah, the character is Australian. Um, but they, I think what they do is he does that thing where that a lot of Australians do when they're on TV, which is where they amp the accent up uh, um, when they're around Americans. Like, they yeah, make yeah. it more Australian, and so it sounds well, it, wrong. But it also sounded funny. Well, I mean, I could tell it was real. It was every, obviously real. But it, it sounded like he was trying to do a British accent or something, which was weird. It, he wasn't. It wasn't going in the direction of like American sounding. It was going in the direction of British sounding, which was odd. Um, but I had no idea what was going on there. And it was only when I heard Matt Shukri's voice, I was like, oh, right. This is who these people are, the the Yale people. I don't know. That did look like a fun night, I have to say. It did. But at the same time, the way that the show treats like the privilege of the rich as kind of like cute eccentricities is 
or has always been a problem. It's it's there's some very disturbing stuff about like rich people and and the way they just buy the places yeah. that they're at and, and make people do things of, for them is awful. Yeah, and the, when the whole scene with um with Emily and her DAR buddies like humiliating the the new wife of one of the rich, local rich guys like that. Yeah, you're right. There is well, that I think class the DAR problem. buddies were humiliating her more. Emily was just trying to. Well, sorry, yeah, no, Emily was fine. Sorry, it's the it's the whole the whole scene kind of. It, it, yeah, she does, but she's just kind of laying it all out on the table. She's saying mm. what the other guys are saying under their breath, you know. Yeah, yeah. Finally. Oh, I know. It was it was good. Um, um, it was interesting. Yes, it was. I liked that. Um, yeah, you. Uh, it does have some real kind of class things, and I guess like when it was made, it was easier to gloss over that kind of stuff. You know, it was pre-recession. It was all. It's kind always of, been a problem though on the show. Um, I've no doubt it has, but I think audiences were more willing to accept it, kind of thing. I mean, because there's some bits. I, I there were times when I was like. How is Rory going to move to Queens and write a book if she doesn't have any income? She's working for she was working for free at the local newspaper. She was living at home and she didn't have any money, but she was still planned to somehow move back to New York and write a book. She she has to get a job, right? Like she can still write a book, sure, but she has to have a job. Like most writers have day jobs. Lorelai isn't wealthy. Like Lorelai has you know a home and a job and stuff and is safe and secure, but she's not wealthy. She can't support her thirty two year old daughter running off to thingy again to write. Like that kept I kept it took me out of it. I kept going, how are you going to live while you write your book? Like you're still going to have to pay for food and like stuff, you know? Just that it kind of raises too many questions. And I, maybe it's just that I'm an adult now and I know these things, but like it, it does seem like I've, you're living in fantasy land where people can just go off and do their creative pursuit for years on end and not actually earn a living from it. Yeah, that is all true. And yet for all of that, like there's so many things in this show that I just, like it just pulls me back in so much. I oh was my God. crying laughing at bits of it. When Christian Ball and Sutton Foster showed up to do the musical, I died. I actually died. I watched that scene. I'm not joking. I watched it. I rewound it. I watched it again. I rewound it. I watched it again. And then I finished the episode, went back and rewatched that, the musical again. That was insane. I did not watch the musical again because it genuinely was terrible. But but it made me, I was crying laughing. Oh, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It was so funny. It doesn't hurt that, like, I love those guys, man. I've been watching, like, Christian Ball and Sutton Foster do things for years. Um, Christian Ball was, um, Emmett in Legally Blonde, the musical. Um, and he's, he was then in Something Rotten as Shakespeare and he's currently in Falsettos. Uh, and then, uh, which hasn't started yet. And then, um, Sutton Foster is, like, a Broadway legend and she was on Bunheads, which I didn't see. Um, (laughs) I'm going to watch Bunheads eventually, but I didn't actually see that show, but. Like just because I love those guys and and uh, and Christian Ball's face when they were doing the like pilgrim bit, was, I cried. I was laughing so hard. I just loved it so much. And then Laurel, I was so put out by the whole thing, and I was just I I was so happy. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. I I there were bits where I was absolutely killing myself laughing as well. Um, it was fun. It does suck you back in. Like I got to the end and it finished, and I was like, "Oh, that was nice." I just like I felt nice and happy, and like I was back wearing a comfortable pair of slippers, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, my favorite like Emily line of the whole thing um, that made me cry laughing as well was when she was talking about the clam shack, and then she goes, <laughs> "I guess vagina house was taken." <laughs> oh my god, Emily was on fire this whole ep- this whole series like, i think kelly god, bishop was just so happy to be playing that character again mm. but it's interesting because emily and lorelei i mean i i love that relationship and i am 
Like Lorelai is a character that I relate to probably much more than I should. The the bit at the funeral when she couldn't think of a good story oh. and everybody was so mad at her for it. And I'm like, I, I kind of get it though. Like, yeah. I kind of get where she's coming from. She's exhausted. She hasn't eaten. She's drunk and she's been put on the and spot. her dad she died just, a week ago. Yeah. But, but also like when you have that contentious relationship, it's hard to think. Like all you're thinking about is like the overall kind of sensation of what it was like being around him all the time and trying to yeah trying to yeah. fix you know trying to uh amend that to the fact that he's died and you're so upset about mm-hmm. it and i i get it i i, I get lorelei a lot um and there's this thing where lorelei kind of grew up all at once and not at all at the same time mm. and has never actually grown up at all since then yeah well because the her relationship with her parents kind of stalled at age 16 yeah and so there's this whole there's all that teenage resentment there um, but there's also when Emily doesn't them. let go of any of it. Mm. And, like, you know, you talk about uh, Lorelai's relationship with Emily, how, and, and I see this. I've done a lot of, like, reading and talking to people about Gilmore Girls, and I listen to Gilmore Guys, um, which mm. is a podcast about Gilmore Girls. I can't wait to listen to their episode about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of people don't like Lorelai as much. Yeah, I, I saw that on Twitter over the weekend. Oof. And um, which I kind of get, I do kind of get it because a lot of people don't like me either. But like, I get where Lorelai is coming from almost all of the time when she does these things. Like, I'm you've got this person who is trying. She she works so hard at just kind of keeping everything together and being an adult, and she's had to do that for a longer mm-hmm. time than most people do. Yeah, did because she had to do that, figure out how to do that a lot younger. Mm. And part of the reason and that she had baby. to do that, and with a baby, and part of the reason that she had to do that is because her parents, you know, when she got pregnant, they let her live with them, but she, they made let her make no decisions and no choices. And so Lorelai, as a result of that, is a fiercely protective of her choices because she wasn't allowed to make them, and that is such a like a specifically kind of like a woman's experience in mm. this kind of case. And at the same time, she kind of has to be both a grown-up and not a grown-up at the same time at all times. Mm. This is like she kind of protects her childishness because she wasn't a child for very long. Mm. Um, She didn't get that growing up period. So, yeah, Lorelai is a character that I just really care about and really love. Mm. Um, And I was always, always from Lorelai's perspective. Plus, she has much better taste in men than Rory does. Um, She had two whole boyfriends that I liked. So, yeah, (laughs) Um, as opposed to Rory's none. I think it's funny, actually, especially coming back to the show, like, so many years later, I have a lot more empathy for Lorelai now than Mm. I did when I originally watched it. There were some bits of uh, her, her interactions with Luke and their issues and their stuff was just, like, gorgeous and also too real mm. um especially like the we've been in this so long we've got into this routine kind of stuff that it was too real but also she's she has held it together she has been the adult she's mm. kept her she's kept held down always held down a job always kept the house always um the fact that she's driving the same car i liked that because i'm driving the same car that i was driving when gilmore girls ended so you know that was also very relatable but she's it like you really do see that this is a person who has held it together for 30 plus years mm. in this way and she has one little like oh, I, I have to go to hike the whatever trail thing 
And even that is over in a hurry because she's like, you know what? You know, I can pull this together. Like, it doesn't take her long to kind of pull it together again. Well, it's a lot very of that was also about her dad. Yeah. Um, yes, about more Richard. than it was about Luke. There's so much, like, for somebody who very sadly passed away before the show came back, there's so much Richard in this. Um, yeah. He kind of looms over everything. And that scene where she tells the story... I was so emotional. I teared up and I'm like, this isn't even a good story, but Lauren Graham killed it so well, and, hard. And because you know that both of the actresses, both the one hearing it and the one one delivering it, like I'm presuming that they're filmed separately, but they both lost somebody. Yeah. And they lost somebody that they worked with for years. And um, they lost somebody who, like, Lauren Graham was a nobody when she got this role. So she lost someone who was a mentor to her. And Kelly Bishop lost someone who was like her, always her partner on the screen for seven years working together. You feel that they really lost someone. And um, even there's photos even of like Alexis Bledel, like uh, her, uh, her at events, like up, up until a couple of years ago, um, where um, Ed Herman Ed, Ed Herman would turn, show up for her because she was doing something and he was always like, so like they, they he used, was a sweet yeah, person by um, all accounts. Like, for all that there are rumours of this cast not getting along and stuff like that, there are also, like, really lovely little stories like that. You know, yeah, I mean, there are rumours of this cast not getting along, getting along, but let's also keep in mind that they were together for seven years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, like... I well, mean, and I also, no, the rumours are not this cast didn't get along. It's like this, the rumours are like this cast wasn't BFFs. After yeah. they finished working together, they didn't see each other. But, like, there are also little parts of the cast that did see each other and, like, Ed Herman and Kelly Bishop kind of supporting the younger cast members at things is one of those. Yeah, and, it was and very Lauren sweet. Graham and Alexis Bledel would get together every so often. And mm. um, d- one group that definitely one did get together was um, the the band. Oh. oh, God, I can't remember the band's name now. That feels I feel terrible. Um, Lane and, and, and her husband and the other guys mm. um, did actually get together quite a bit. And she Keiko again kept playing the drums and stuff like that. You know so. what's crazy? We never see her kids in this. We the do. Twins, they do not show up. Yes, they do. I didn't see yep. them. Yep. The first, when they're in the house, when they're doing the band practice, her kids are there. Oh, okay. I missed, Kwong and I missed them. Steven or whatever they need. I, I, yeah, I don't remember them having lines or anything. They didn't have lines. They yeah. were there though. Okay. Um, yeah, no, they showed up. They, and then they had the brand practice and Gil came and I was so excited. Um, <laughs> which probably doesn't mean anything to you, I don't no, think, because you wouldn't no. have seen him. But, uh, yeah, Gil was the, one of the best parts of the later seasons. Um, he's a, he's a I real. I do like that Lane's still playing music though. I mean, he's a real rock star and I don't remember the name of the band he's in. God, you guys are going to mm. think I'm such a bad fan, but oh, I've no, had a no. very stressful day. It, um, f- it's from like, Skid Row. He's from Skid Row. Thank you. Um, but yeah, um, that was really exciting for me. Gil was wonderful. Um, he, he was like in the show, he's just like married with a wife and kid and they're all like, Oh, he's too old to play with us. And then he shows up and kills it and they all love him. Um, <laughs> right. So he's a, he's a yeah, fun character. There are bits I missed not having kind of seen it all the way to the end. Yes. But you know, plus that, you know, they, there's bits like Kirk just mm-hmm. existing within the world of Gilmore Girls makes the world of Gilmore Girls coming back feel more real than almost anything. And Taylor, Dosie yeah. and, and Josie and everybody, like the and, town and of Babette Stars Hollow. And Miss, what's her name, Miss Patty? Babette and Miss Patty. Well, Miss Patty, I didn't recognize at all. Um, but yeah, um, the fact that they all came back and like the town of Stars Hollow just kind of exists again. Mm. Like yeah. Sean Gunn could have just been Kirk for the last nine years and you wouldn't know any different because he's exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have a little issue with that though. Because I've now been to the Warner's backlot and seen Stars Hollow yeah. and the sets and stuff, I kind of find it harder to, I, I sort of know, I can geographically orient myself. It's like when I went to Hobbiton 
And then when I watched the Hobbit movies, it was some of the magic was destroyed because I'd been to the set. That's um, weird. I didn't feel I'd been to um, yeah, the Stars Hello Place as well. It didn't bother uh, me at all. Yeah, I don't know. It, for some reason, I mean, I I do buy into it and everything, but I I also kind of kind of in my head I know that it's on a back lot in LA, and I know that that snow is fake kind of thing. But it it is lovely. <laughs> That's interesting because for yeah, me, I'm I, like, but I knew that already. Well, I <laughs> thing is, I, it's really funny. I I've got a once I've visited sets and stuff, I kind of have a real loss of um magic, like sus- like I can no longer suspend disbelief on on certain things, hmm. even when things are in cities where I've been. Like I find it a different experience to watch a movie that's shot in a city that I've been in than I or and where I know the geography um than I don't. Maybe it's just because I'm terrible at geography, but it yeah. doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, I've been to the um the Stars Hollow backlot as well and I was just like it didn't change a thing for me like at all. I just when I went there I was like, "Oh cool." And then when I'm watching it again, I'm like, "Oh, it's back." Yeah, yeah. Um but I think it's maybe just because like when I watch movies, I always know that. Yeah. When I'm watching things, I'm always like it's not real. It's ruined a whole just... bunch of things for me. Like I, I watched I almost immediately after I visited. I watched Argo, and there's a scene. I'm like, oh, that's those courthouse steps from the Warner Brothers backlot. And they get, and now I see them all the time. And I'm like, oh, yep, there's courthouse steps again. Um, I just it happens. I don't know why. Hmm. And Argo, it's deliberate because they actually are on the backlot filming it. And I don't know. I yeah, for some reason it it ruins things. But it doesn't. And it didn't ruin things. And I felt very much like I was still in Stars Hollow. All those the town meetings with Taylor mm. were great. The sewer thing mm. that was hilarious. The bit where um. They talk about the gay pride parade and they go, is there nobody else, Taylor, that you can think of to march in this parade and everybody leans forward? Poor Taylor. <laughs> and he says no and everybody's like, oh, okay. I think like- Poor Taylor. That it- was in spring, right? I think spring is my favorite of the four episodes. Yeah. Well, spring is the one that sets- uh, No, wait. Spring is the second episode. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, because summer's like the big the emotional setup for the end. But yeah. Spring just like- I felt like it was funnier and sharper than the other ones. Mm-hmm. Winter kind of sets it up and brings everybody back and stuff um, and, you know, gives you the idea for the storyline that we're going to go through, right? Mm. And then, but spring to me felt the most like the show and the most like real um, yeah. and the most like things were really happening. And then you've got summer and fall, which were f- also good. They had good parts in it, but I think for me, especially because Summer had the musical, but um, for me, Spring was like the the best part. Plus, it had the most Paris, which doesn't hurt because <laughs> honestly, like, I could just watch Paris forever. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, actually, that you just reminded me of something that I, w- I was thinking about this. I love that they only did four episodes and they mm. didn't try and shoehorn this into 13 or anything they did for they didn't quite get everything they wanted. Amy Sherman Palladino wanted them released over for like like them to come out over a year rather than over a weekend. But like Netflix was like, yeah, no way, that's not happening. That's not how we do things. But I'd love that they didn't try and shoehorn, you know, four out four episodes of TV into thirteen, which is what's happened with a few Netflix shows lately. Particularly with you didn't watch it, but The Crown um, has like six episodes of material you know, stretched out over 13. And I think we found it with some of the Marvel shows as yep. well where they really kind of um, – Where it feels both, like a couple well, of seasons Cage, squished. Yeah, well, both Luke Cage and, and Daredevil season two would have ha- had these beautiful little like maybe five or six episode arcs that could have just been their own little season. And I like that they – that for whatever reason the Paladinos stood up and said, no, we're going to have four and this is it. And and it's a mini series, a genuine mini series, and it works because it tells exactly the amount of story they want to tell and we're not tr- – there's no padding. Yeah. 
And I'm kind of glad it was one and done, to be honest. I'm glad oh, I yeah. didn't, it didn't come out over four seasons. Oh, can you imagine? I can't do TV that comes out every – like, it's hard to watch TV that comes out every week now. So, every year. It's not year? just that. It's kind of like – it's also like you would have forgotten by the time you get to the next season what happened in, exactly. the, in the episode before. I mean, it's it's a lot to kind of take in. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot to take in even in the format that we watched it, you know. Mm. Um, it's mm-hmm. – I wrote – one page of notes that I didn't bother bringing with me today because literally it's four notes and one of them is I should be taking more notes. Um, <laughs> I didn't even take notes. I should have, but I was like, oh, I'm having too much fun. I'm enjoying this. Well, some of you guys will have seen my live tweeted reaction to a lot of the things that were happening. I didn't start till the second till spring. I wasn't mm-hmm. overly uh, inspired by winter. And I don't know if that's just because they were setting everything up again or what, mm-hmm. but it didn't like, it didn't make me want to immediately start re- reacting. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of just felt safe. And then they kind of got into the harder hitting stuff later. Not that it was ever particularly hard hitting. No, um, but it, it's kind of, it's it's like emotionally hard hitting. It's not like gritty. Yeah. There are certainly certainly emotionally hard hitting bits. Um, I think it's really interesting how they chose to do Emily's storyline. Actually, one of my favorite, favorite things was when Lorelai said she wanted to use the money that Richard had left Luke to expand his business, to expand her own business. Yeah. Um, which is this kind of slyly feminist bit mm. um, that Richard came from an older world and he didn't think of Lorelai as like being expanding her the business. one who could provide for the family. Yeah. Um, but he thought of Luke being that way and Luke obviously hates that. I mean, that's not who Luke is. Mm. And the fact that the show kind of also accepts that that's not who Luke is, but that Lorelai might like to do it. The mm. fact that um, Lorelai is the one who brings it up to her mother, even though she's scared to do that. Mm. Like all of those little bits and pieces of however many years of storytelling this is kind of coming together into that moment, I thought was really cool. Um, that is like one of the really good storytelling bits of this and not just the emotional bits and not the acting and not the humor and all that, but like a really good kind of consistent storytelling and finishing this arc that's been going for a really long time. Mm. Um, and the same thing with, uh, when, when Lorelai came back and then Luke thought he was going to break up with her and then she says, let's get married. I nearly cried. I'd actually screamed loudly. <laughs> I was so excited. Um, and I don't care about weddings. And I was perfectly happy well, for them to not to be. But it it's this huge moving on point for Lorelai. Yeah. Because Lorelai can't make decisions. We know that. Whenever she did get married, when she did get married, it was like a spur of the moment thing. And when she didn't, it was when like it was like when with Max Medina when oh, she decided that she yeah. couldn't do that and it was just suddenly she had to run away. And Luke says, I see all the signs of you running away, you know, that's yeah. kind of And well that, that's that's why that's such a big moment, because she runs away and this is how, and, and it doesn't end up with her just running away. Yeah. That she, she comes back and she faces it and she resolves it. I know. And, and she resolves it by doing this thing that she clearly had been putting off. And mm. Luke is so like, you know, he, he's so steadfast and supportive that he just went with it basically for mm. all these years. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of presented as a problem in their relationship and a problem that's going to continue, but at the same time, something that they deal with all the time. Yeah. Um, just like Luke's, need to fix things whenever he's stressed about something <laughs> and things like that that you know and um yeah i i love them together they turn me into a like puddle of shipping goo um <laughs> like every time that you know um the the april storyline co- that her causing them to break up i always thought was a really stupid thing um it's funny seeing april again as well um well i kind of like how they almost like ignored 
all that. And they were just like, this has been almost 10 years. These people have been together. She's part of the family now. I kind of yeah. like that. I liked that too. Um, I think it's interesting how family kind of works on Gilmore Girls. Um, oh, yeah, there's there's also funny – I just remembered when you actually watch The Wedding, which was like – I love that Kirk set it all up um, exactly the oh way that Lorelai would like it. And that was amazing. It was gorgeous. I was like, oh, my God, they must have had such budget to do this. Like that that – the decoration budget on that wedding would have been enormous. Kirk must have spent so much money or like called in so many favors to get that done. That would I'd imagine that so he long. just went around the town finding all the stuff. Like, I don't think yeah. that he would have had to spend that much money on it at all in, in Stars uh, Hollow. People would just give him things. Yeah, probably. I'm getting this for Luke and Lorelai's wedding. Okay, here you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can actually, you can imagine that. Yeah. Like, oh, I want to do this. And, they, and everyone is like, oh, here, have some fairy lights. Oh, yeah. here, have some trees. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's, it's, the sweetest thing um and but suki's not there and jess isn't there and you know it's because they couldn't get the actors for that yeah. scene. well i felt the absence of suki i really did um because there is like lorelei only has luke to bounce off or mm. michelle uh, and michelle is wonderful and yannick trustel really steps up and he's like he his lines always made me laugh the most he really stepped up he really kind of and he didn't just step up he did some emotional stuff in this mm. that he never did on oh yeah the show like he really kind of i was quite pleased to see him get to mm. do more so in in one sense not being able to get melissa mccarthy means that she had michelle to to play off but there was that 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 was missing because that was yep. such a heart of the show yep um and so that was so the fact that we only got her for like one wedding cake scene was quite disappointing like i get it she's a, a huge star of all and like it's funny how like you never know who's going to break out of a show like who's mm. going to be the breakout star and she was the breakout star and that's wonderful and we love her but also yeah it would have been nice to have more of her yeah um yeah you say that there's definitely people that I saw in Gilmore Girls that I was like, well, these are the people who are going to do well. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sure you probably did. And it was, and, and I mean, the fact that she was such the heart of the show probably indicated that she was one of the better performers on there and therefore yeah. was most likely to, to break out. I mean, well, look at when Adam Brody was on the show. Like when Adam Brody was on the show, he played a boyfriend, Dave, R okay, Dave Rogalski. I've, I've played um, him. Yep. I'm pretty sure he was on when you watched it. Pro probably, but I've forgotten him. But he but played Lane's boyfriend, and Lane oh, as a character hmm. never recovered from Adam Brody leaving that show. Yeah. Like, that's how much of an effect he had on the show. He was so good. Mm -hmm. And you watched him and you knew he was too good for that show. Yeah. Or, like, too good to be playing the role that he was playing on it. I yeah, mean, if yeah. they bumped him up to something better, but he was, like, he was yeah. just the boyfriend of a secondary character, and he was always too good for that. Yeah. And he left to do um, another show, not the OC. It was the one before that he did before the OC. Mm -hmm. But he just bounced from one thing to another after that because he was just too yeah, much. He, he was, was too good for yeah, that role. Too, too, um, he, was, <laughs> he was already carrying the show before he was actually trying. Yeah, it's kind of like watching Teen Wolf. <laughs> yeah. And you're going, yeah, these guys are all going to leave because they're all better than this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Teen um, Wolf that, that is interesting, actually, because – because I was thinking about that in terms of actually Matt Shukri. I hope that's how you pronounce his name. I don't actually know. But neither Jared Padalecki or Milo Ventimiglia are hugely famous, but both of them work regularly and in mm. a lot bigger name projects than this. Uh, Matt Shukri had just come off Good Wife, so he had time and he had all this kind of, you well, know. Well, Gilmore Girls was a pretty big name project. I mean, look at this. I mean, this is huge. The yeah, revival right. no, no, is huge. It was. But, like, they've also got careers where they work on big stuff and they, they work a lot, right? I think it's more about how big a role they had on the show as opposed to how big a role they have on other things. Mm. Where, like, 
um, and how much money well, goes yeah, into like, the other things and, they're and on Joe and stuff. And Joe film and th- what's the name? Supernatural Films in, in Toronto or Vancouver. Yeah. And so it's like he's probably not in LA very often. You can understand that. So then they sort of like, well, you know, Matt Shukri is available. He's just finished a long run on another show. Let's bring him in. Actually, it's interesting because Parenthood just finished up too as well. So Lauren Graham was also becoming free again. And as much as I like uh, – as much as I don't like Logan as a character – I thought Matt Chukri was really good in this show. Mm. Um, I, Logan is, I'm sorry, Logan is an awful character and Chris, and he is Christopher and Christopher is also an awful character. There's this fondness in this show for both of those characters that I will never understand. And I also think that Logan was actually the best boyfriend that Rory had of the three yeah, of them. Compared to the other two, yeah. Just because of the level of respect he had for her. Yeah. Um, like that the other two don't have, but at the same time, he's awful. Um, <laughs> He's so smug and so unbearable a lot of the time. Um, but I did think Matt Chukri did a good job. And there were certain moments also where I was like, Rory, I get it, girl. Like, oh, my God, he looked so good in yep. this revival. Um, but also, there's also the appeal of like, he, the, the appeal of him is like, and also the illicit, I'm in another country and another city and it's sort of a bit, it, it's naughty and it, he's very wealthy and we go to wonderful hotels and wonderful dinners and all this kind there's that kind of living in fantasy land of an affair type appeal of him as well in this series i yeah i don't really which get. is why it's nice that they they give it stakes by like it resulting in a baby yeah. or a pregnancy well that might not be logan's i can't see who else's it would be well she did technically have a boyfriend at the time so there's that it's, it's um, plausible i guess and jess was around at the time too well um, jess was around but yeah i i don't know the implication is that you know, there's the there's the scene but which it has is to be where Logan's he, because Logan is Christopher. Yeah, it ha- it has to be Logan's, right? Yeah, like Paul is off doing whatever, and all we ever see with Logan is him sort of staring wistfully through the window. You know, it's not Jess. Jess sorry, yes, and and Logan, we actually know she had sex with, unless it's the Wookies, which is plausible, but uh, no, seems unlikely. Time wise, because he was in spring, right? And yeah, in terms of the dates. I don't see who else. And it she could doesn't be. tell him to tell. Sorry, she doesn't tell Lorelai till fall, so that's months out. Uh, yeah, and whereas the big night happens in fall, and then she tells Lorelai, and I would imagine yeah. that uh, Rory's going to tell her mum as soon as she finds out. So in terms yeah. of the dates and stuff, I don't think it can be anyone else. And Logan is Christopher. Um, yeah, but oh, and also yes, that the the show does. I think the show does end up with like the idea that Jess and Rory are in game with that wistful looking through the window bit. Yeah. Which I was upset but by. It, but I think they mo- by, mo- might both have a bit more growing to do, which is, of course, what happened with Luke and Lorelai. They actually had to get to a point where they were able to do to get together. Um, and, yes, the show threw obstacles that were unnecessary in their way. I get it. It really did, though. To but, try and drag out the drama there, like, they were done. They were they were done. Yeah. There's with no Jess, reason for Jess them to actually, do Jess seems did. like he's in a good place to kind of be with her, but she's not. No. She's, she's not there yet. I, and I don't know when, if they're going to get uh, – depending on the money that Netflix makes off this, you know, they might might be back next year and have to get them together quickly. But You know what? I'd like to see them again in 10 years. Right? I don't want to see them next year. I want to do this again in 10 years and, like, just leave it till then, you know. I'd, yeah. I'd, I or, think or doing this every years. few years until, like, you know, everybody's too old would be great because, well, like, yeah. it just – I, I cause, feels right to yeah, do it, if, come back. Especially if, if Rory's going to have a baby, I think she probably is going to need, like that's going to derail her life for a bit. And so she's going to have to get back on track from that, but she's going to have to get back on track from all the other things as well. And so like, I think it would be good to have a few years sort of of that that we don't have to see on screen. Mm. <laughs> I reckon five years would be good. 
but you know the economics of tv netflix releases like two new shows every weekend you know they're desperate for content so yeah but the problem is trying to get the people like you i I wouldn't care if a lot of these people didn't come back but you you just don't feel right without suki being in it um it it just doesn't big hole because and 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 michelle you know it was really good to see lorelei and michelle talking like adults about Michelle yeah. leaving, and then they had to pack up when Do- when Taylor came past, which made me so happy. Oh yeah, that, that was the so illegal funny. bar. That was funny. Um, but that scene was so affecting that it's kind of going to ruin it when Michelle doesn't leave. But you know, Michelle can't leave because they can't. I don't think the show can function properly without that. It, she needs someone at work. Well, the thing is, and and there was a lot more uh, Lorelai Luke as well because there had to be because because Scott Patterson was available more, and mm. he so he like that relationship had to carry a lot of her sort of character as well, and it, it really really missed her having like a a female confidant who is not her daughter or her mother to mm. talk to. Yeah, even just scenes with Lorelai in Paris kind of work. They could have had that more because they're funny, yeah. um, but. When Paris is talking about how Lorelai was the only mother she ever had, oh. was simultaneously hilarious and heartbreaking, yeah. which is what Paris is all about, which is yeah. why she's so good oh. because that's what Gilmore Girls is, right? Yeah, I love her. Um, I really I, love her, and I also God, I, I love her so I, much. I also relate to her a lot. You t- say you relate to Lorelai. I relate Does to Paris. Not surprise me yeah. at all. I'm, I'm not rich, but yeah, I relate a lot to her. Mm. Oh God, it, it does, it breaks your heart. And at the same time, she's just so funny and so wonderful. And like, you, you're just like, how do you have time to do all this? You're just exhausting to look at. Yeah. Well, I think in like, I am somewhere between Lorelai and Suki. That's like who I am is somewhere in the meeting of those two characters is all of me. Um, <laughs> when Su- Suki comes back. I, and I'm somewhere between Paris and, and Rory. Yeah. Um, when Suki comes back, man, like that scene and she, sticks her head in the sink and she's talking about losing her fingertip and I was just like everything about this is like I yeah it that's why it killed me I was like why why is this we get five minutes of you but we get five minutes of her we do we do get five minutes. we could have had none I, I also and there's a bit just at the end where she's yelling at Michelle for eating all of her fat-free um muesli that she and Lorelai is so happy and we're all so happy <gasps> because that's finally like yeah. it finally kind of feels right yeah um yeah, and, and there's moments gone. as well when Luke and Lorelai are together that just kind of feel right as well. I mean, Luke and oh. Lorelai for me are like, it's are so important. They're so good together. They the are. Two of them. And uh, um, somebody was talking about what do they talk about when they're together and I'm like, clearly they just argue a lot. I mean, it's it's I have relationships with people in real life where we do exactly that thing. We just kind of grump at each other about various things and then, you know, care about each other. And that's Which is great for a long-term relationship because half of, like a lot of your time is taken up with like boring domestic crap mm. and they, they get through it pretty well by like arguing and fixing things and, you know, they actually. And then just being amused I mean, by each other while yeah. they argue. Like that, that scene when they're talking they... about the flash mobs mm. was like, that's, <laughs> that's them kind of to a T. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's why they felt like an old married couple from the moment the show started. Mm. And when Luke is so lost without Lorelai there oh, and I... Jess has to like direct him around his own diner and like pulls out the Wi-Fi. Um, plus we get to see Caesar. That was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the real Caesar, not the other Caesar. <laughs> Cause there's two Caesars. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> this is, these are things that you probably are not aware of. No, as- because I've never binge watched it. Even though it's been on Netflix for like two years, I've just never kind of gone back and watched it again. I'm I mean, almost I scared to. I, I want to, but there's also part of me that's like, I loved this show when it was on and I, I related to it. I was the same age as Rory, or like the same age she was supposed to be kind of thing. And, I related to lots of it, like being the poor kid at the rich kid's school and 
making terrible decisions about men and that like I kind of related to her quite a lot. Um and you want to know something really terrifying? Both of us are now older than Lorelai was in season one. I know that. I was thinking about that the other day because I was like, if we were like Lorelai, we would have an 18-year-old. I would have an 18-year-old. Yeah. Um, which I'll, like is not like something that's happened in my life. But I, like I have friends who've got teenagers now. It is kind of weird. But it's also kind of, I don't know, That's but that's why I'm suddenly a lot more empathetic with Lorelai. Like the fact that she's held it together all this time and always been responsible, like in her situation, she's – like she's never let down um, at at work. She's never let down Rory in any kind of significant way in terms of she's always been schooled and fed and taken care of, and she's kind of like even when that took significant yeah um, sacrifices. And, and this is a, yeah, and this is a, a woman who was out on her own at sixteen doing this. Like, which is one of the reasons why that scene in the cemetery was like when Rory is accusing Lorelai of things. Like, why can't you just let me have this and all of that sort of stuff? And I'm like. She's let you have everything. She's given you everything in her life. And, and everything she does. this is her life that she's, you're now asking her to give you. Yeah. Like that's her story and her privacy. And, and Lorelai is this, she's so defined by the fact that she wants to control her choices. Mm-hmm. And she wants to be the person who decides how everybody sees yeah. her and her life and her choices. Yeah. Even when things get hard, she doesn't ever show that. You know, and she is uh, – to ask that of her is so much to ask of her. It, it is a lot. Um, But it, it also – it's like I, – I liked that storyline because, as you say, um, Rory is now the age that Lorelai was in season one. Mm. And she's got to a point – and there's a whole heap of, uh, of Amy Sherman Palladino's kids these days stuff about how 30-somethings can't even get it together and Man all. buns. Yep. That and and, and the, the so 30-something hard. group. But there's all this stuff about kids these days and all that kind of stuff. And Rory, by taking that story and writing it and – is separating from her mother and is becoming an adult on her own. Her story is diverging from Lorelai's, right? And that's that's a good thing, I think, ultimately. Mm. But I definitely feel for Lorelai. Like, but it's also you, not like how do you cope with that? That's horrifying thought. It, it, it is Rory's story, but it's also kind of not hers. Well, especially not the, to tell. Well, Rory's story is Rory's story, but there's like Lorelai's story. The stuff that happened around the Rory can't remember that. Mm. And she's, so she's going to have to find that out from research. And that's okay. I think that's there is actually something about delving into family history and seeing it from someone else's perspective because Lorelai spent a lot of time telling telling Rory her story. Like there's the thing where every year on her birthday, at the exact yeah. time she went into labor, she'd lay down on Rory's bed and like that they would sit down and talk through the labor and all that, like that, that kind of stuff. Lorelai has controlled the narrative until now and that's fine. That was how it was. But really – Rory's an adult and so she can take some control of that narrative and kind of – and it's okay to kind of at that age, especially when she's about to have a kid of her own, although when she starts on the book she doesn't know that, um, to kind of I do wonder that about narrative. that actually. She might have known that. When she gets it's to Emily's plausible. house, when she gets to Emily, she might have known. Yeah. She could have. Um, that might be why it all kind of yep. happened the way it did. Who knows? It's, uh, the t- passage of time, by the way, it's in hard the show to tell. is so confusing. And then <laughs> this is one – in the whole four episodes that I noticed, there's one interstitial title that says one week later. And you're like, what? From you're what? now telling me that it's one week later from the scene we just saw when this whole show has just been jumping through time without telling us when yeah. <laughs> things are happening? 
Yeah, because it's just like the whole thing is kind of like you know what season it is. So you've got a three month window. But yes, you could. She could have known by then. I don't know. The whole show actually is kind of like it's more about the feeling of it than yeah. the actual things that are happening. And I there's so much stuff that I feel like I'm missing that I'm sure that I tweeted about or talked about somewhere or something like that. That like there's so many kind of moments. Oh, uh, Kirk's second film. Oh. Um, <laughs> with pedal in it. Oh, it's and all pedal. The, pedal the whole great. pedal. Pedal was like my third favorite character after Michelle in Paris. Um, Suki. Oh, Suki. Yeah, I don't know. But, my, no, but she but wasn't my, in this. Like, I know. I love her in the show, but she wasn't in this. Paris is my favorite, but I mean, I also like Lorelai and and Luca. My favorites too. When Jason, when Digger came back, I was like, oh god, kill me. I was so like both him and Christopher. I was like, I never need to see these people again. Well, th- but thankfully, Christopher was. Dean and Suki, he had one scene and that was it. It was over. And it did not go well for Christopher. That was a very anti-Christopher mm, scene, yeah. um, which was interesting. Um, well, I think it's actually interesting because I think um, from my memories of the show, um, Rory kind of romanticized the da- her dad and yeah, in a, a bit, way. Yeah. She kind of romanticized the idea that he would cu- he could come in and save them at some point. And I yeah, think, she rom- definitely romanticized and, the idea of her parents getting back together. Yeah, she really did. And so this kind of allows her to look at that in a much more, again, as an adult, in a sort of clear, clear light of day kind of thing. Mm. So I liked that. The whole thing where Ro- Richard and Emily wanted Lorelai to marry Christopher and Lorelai just refused has always been like a, a really emotional kind of anchor for the relationship between Lorelai and Emily and Richard. Yeah. Um, it's always been that, that little kind of thorn in the side of that relationship. Mm. I want to know what happened with that letter. You know how Emily said there was a letter that Lorelai had written her mm, yeah. on her birthday and that didn't drop. They never, and they never went back, back to that. Yeah. In she those did, terrible therapy sessions. Yeah. It, it, that was very strange. I, and who had done that mm. is interesting. Um, yeah. That was a mystery that got dropped. That was, by the way, um, did you watch Miranda? Yeah, yeah, I actually rewatched it recently. I I love Miranda so much, but that was a storyline on Miranda when she has the therapy sessions with her mother. I actually did think of that because even like another f- character I relate to, way but too also much. like physically as well. Like even and, and the um, d- even the characters themselves, like the fact that uh, like Lorelai is quite a bit taller than Emily, and Emily's so very contained and always you know perfectly polished and such fun. Yeah, exactly. And that that was they were very similar to each other to those scenes. Um, although that, of course, like Emily, just that. Her journey was great in this. Like, kind mm. of like, I mean, it does end with the do- her daughter getting married, but it seems like she's made peace with that before that actually finally happens. It takes her a while, but she kind of she's sitting there having a glass of wine while um, Luke and Lorelai are getting married. It's well, kind Emily of Emily grows up. Yeah, Emily, I love that journey. That's so interesting, and it's also a very female journey uh, because men tend to die earlier than women, but also women also like divorce is quite common now. And so there are a lot of women in like in their 60s and 70s who've got to reinvent themselves, right? Mm. And that's a it's a very female story. It's it's why um, Mamma Mia is so appealing, by the way. Mm. It, it kind of appeals to that. <laughs> the, the ABBA songs at the end of yeah. it. <laughs> He's like the nine ABBA songs. Oh, my and God. And then they have the Carol King bit afterwards. Yeah. But, but yeah, like that. That was such a disturbing look into Taylor Dosey's mind, that musical. <laughs> Like yeah, this <laughs> amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> just like the whole show could be boiled down, I think, to like a second film by Kirk, Paris kicking the door, and the musical, and I would be, and then the the wedding, and I'd probably be happy. Like just uh. in the four seasons, just those bits. Um, yeah, but that 
Oh god, so funny. yeah. Oh my god, I was um, crying. <laughs> I was crying from laughing so hard. Oh, I forgot what I was going to talk about. Sorry, it was Emily's journey. Oh, Emily's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, that's like a very female journey, but it's also like a very of our times women's journey because there's lots of yeah, it like, is because divorce is more common and all, that and people of- are living longer too. Yeah, exactly. Um, they talk about how Emily's not that old. You know, there's a scene between no. Rory and Emily where Emily's like, "I'm not 90," and you're like, "Yeah, yeah. But you're 70." Well, you yeah, know? I actually don't know how old Kelly Bishop is, but I would guess around 70. Yeah, yeah, it, and it is something that you know a lot of people are going through. Um, and they live longer, but they also don't tend to go into like, you know, old folks' homes or anything like that yeah. as much. So it's really uh, interesting. And then she just kind of moves. And, yeah, and also well, her she's... relationship, actually, one of the biggest points of growth in Emily is her relationship with Berta, mm. of all things, yeah. even though that's super racist, because she keeps her around and creates a relationship and likes her and has her family stay mm. after, I mean, the major, you know, focal point of Emily's character was all the maids. Yeah, but that's right. I think it's interesting that she's kind of like pulling together her own ideas of family from the people who are around her. Mm. Um. Okay, so there is this one thing. That- oh, oh, my God. I Sorry, just one more thing. I, I love how she dumps, um, what's his name, Ray Wise. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, I have to go back to the city. And she's like, here's your bag. Off you go. Bye. Yeah, no, it was, I just liked seeing Ray Wise. I, I, I like Ray Wise too, but He's it was great. funny. It was like she was never that interested in the idea of having a boyfriend. And, and Well, I think it was just – it was kind of just she was like, she fun. Th- well, it, it was like she thought that was what she was supposed to do, was like to move on and, and to remarry and all that. And she then she realized that actually she, that's not what she actually wanted to do and that it was she was happier on her own. I liked that. Yeah, and the, the, the wailing stuff. Oh my um, god! Sorry, a- I interrupted you. You no, say it, one it thing. was it was totally unrelated to that though. So that's fine. That's right, um, I just wanted to point. say that I am so happy for Jason Manzukas. He was in this. <laughs> <laughs> he was in this miniseries for like one scene, but I don't know if any of you guys know who that is. But he's uh, he's um, from Brooklyn Nine Nine. I think people know him. Yeah, he's from Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's been in a lot of stuff. He also um, co-hosts the How Did This Get Made podcast, which is oh, one of my favorites. I did not know that. And uh, he was he has been on Gilmore Guys a couple of times because he is a huge Gilmore Girls fan. So he like wasn't one in the original. The, so, no, he uh, so he got he that wrong. He tried out. Oh, my God. He tried out for the original. They wouldn't have him on. And he so got like he a got... like one scene role as a, as the lawyer Alex for Kingston's Alex lawyer. Kingston. Oh, I'd forgotten just until now about Alex Kingston's whole wacky character. So would I. I think that's a problem. Like, I don't remember some of the stuff from the earlier episodes. And also it doesn't feel completely in step with – I feel like the show kind of got into its groove – Mm. Um and spring was just much better than winter to me. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It did take a bit of time because I think I stopped after the first one and kind of went off and did other things before I came back to watch the. I watched the later ones in more of a block. Yeah. No, I watched two last night and two today, and I found it worked much better in a block. I have to say, it was good that way the whole year. Yeah, as also there were a couple of people who were in this that like are not the most famous that I was excited to see too. But mm. that's not the point. Um, but that's nice about Jason Manzi because I didn't know that. Yeah, no, also I didn't was, know he. I couldn't. I had forgotten that he hosted. How did this get made? Which means he's in my head every second week. So, mm. <laughs> like, because I listen to that religiously. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was really. I was just so like pleased that he got to be in it because I know he's a massive fan. That's great. like a really big fan. I love it. Um, yeah, it. So that was funny to me. That was nice. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's more. Oh. That this is also total non sequitur, but I swear to God, the woman who played Sandy is like a clone of Alexis Bledel. You know, Sandy says the website. That yeah, she yeah. Went, oh, yeah. Like those two looked so alike to me and sounded so alike yeah, to me. Yeah, like a ten years younger Alexis Bledel, but yes. Well, yeah, but I mean, Alexis Bledel 
doesn't exactly look 32 to me. No, well, she's actually 35. Yeah, I know. And she doesn't look 35 She's either. older than me. <laughs> she doesn't look that age to me. No, um, no, she doesn't. Speaking, and Keiko again are too. Like, oh my God. She looks yeah. almost the same as she did on the show. And she was 10 years too old on the show. And mm. you're like, what are you doing? You know, her husband aged, but. Uh, yeah. Well, that was because I hadn't seen him. I was like, wow, she married an old, Lane married an old guy. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, she must have married someone who's quite a bit older than her. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Same age. And the other guy who's also in the band with them didn't look any old. Well, the, the, there's four of them. But, yeah, I think it was just And like, he still seems to live with Lane and Zach. Like, yeah, I think it was just, I like, I, it's terrible, but it's just like the, the guy who plays Zach. Just he didn't look his age when he played Zach in the original, but he looks his age now, and that's all I'm sure. Yeah, that just happens sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. At least they got all the actual actual actors back, and there's something about it that seems really real as well. That people like they feel like regular people more than a lot of people who are in yeah. TV shows and movies because they don't look. Actually, that was super, one of the interesting super airbrushed things. and hot. I have to say, it's one of the interesting things about seeing Melissa McCarthy again because she looks like a movie star now. Like she's shinier and her hair's better and her makeup's better and all that kind of stuff in a way that when she was Suki, she just looked like a normal person. Yeah, like I mean, extra shininess. Melissa McCarthy's never going to look like a movie star. I don't. Well, no, not no, but the I, way that we I, think I, of no, it. No, I mean, like, you know how there's like a physical difference between someone yeah. before they get famous and someone after. At that kind of change has happened in her. Yeah, and and no, maybe not like the traditional idea of a movie star, but definitely like. There's sort of the always good hair and the always good makeup and the always good clothes and the always good, like, physical appearance, you know, um, which I thought was interesting. But, yeah, you're right. They do. That's why Sean Gunn was so good because he is um, – he's kind of someone who – he's never quite achieved fame in his own right, but he's always kind of on the edges of other people – on the edges of it. Mm. Um, but he um, – he, he seems like a normal person. He's kind of normal looking, which is why I like the. Um, He's what we call a character actor. Yeah, uh, the, which is why I like the Broadway guy as well. I can't remember his name. Christian Ball. Yeah, he looks like a normal person, right? I love him he's, so much. He's an like he looks like he's a character actor. He looks like a normal person, not like a a star. Well, he's interesting because he actually does get starring roles, um, like proper starring oh, on, roles on Broadway, Broadway, no doubt. Um, but as like leads, you know, and and um, like. Emmett in uh, in Legally Blonde, um, who, who in the musical is much better than the movie. Um, not that I'm biased. <laughs> I love that musical so much. I've watched it all the way through about 50 times. But, uh, yeah, he um, people really, really like him, mm. um, including Babette, <laughs> which made me really happy. And she was like, he's hot. Yeah, that's <laughs> cute. Um, just Babette and Miss Patty hitting on, you know. Young hot men makes me happy. I know anyway. those two are so funny. The actresses, Miss Patty was barely in this though. The actresses are like best friends in real life, Aww. and so they sit like they, I love watching them sit there and judge other people because you can imagine that that's what they do in real life. Yeah, I was so happy watching Christian. I could watch that forever. <laughs> Just watch those two be really hammy, like yeah, really oh hammy. My God. It was so f- the what is it? Love in a revolutionary time with the little like <laughs> patty cake stuff, and then like the transitions between like the opening like kind of dark death of a salesman bit which transitions into like the pilgrim song and then oh the love the revolutionary yeah, bit the and worst the musical that's ever been made ever it's wonderful like the hamilton rapping <laughs> like that this is what they thought that hamilton was like it's so funny and it was such terrible oh. terrible rapping oh ta- taylor oh, is God. like actually taylor's got a touch of the um a touch of the paris is about him in that he's like both delightful and also like 
sad, you know, that, that wonderful yeah. sense of pathos about him. Like the this whole bit about his his mentor, Edward Albee, <laughs> where he left a script on the table and asked Edward Albee to call him and he never did, so he assumed he did well. I was like, oh, my God. It's like wonderful and terrible at the same time. But he, because he's got this such overinflated sense of self-confidence, it's a bit like the bit where people want him to come out. Like it's not you know, our job to make anybody come out. But at the same time, when it's somebody who's got this overinflated sense of self-confidence, you just kind of like the way you look at him. So he, yeah, I, that's a good bit well, of characterization. Taylor, Taylor is, is interesting. Like the, the best thing about Taylor, you never saw. Um, he, uh, at the end of the show, he and Jackson both ran for town councilman. I think that's what he oh, is. Yes. And Jackson won. Didn't only win, but won by a landslide, like smashed Taylor. And Taylor was so sad and he just sits in his store and, and like he, could, he has nothing else. Um, he has nothing else in his life. Mm. Um, and uh, Jackson ends up relinquishing the role and, and Taylor gets it back. <laughs> but um, it is, it's, that is a really, really good storyline. Um, they actually humanized Taylor a lot in that storyline. Yeah. It was, it was re- genuinely really interesting. And uh, there's this um, bit where the Jackson and Suki get Lane's band something alien, Hep Alien. Thank God. Okay, Hep Alien. They get them to um, play the show where Jackson wins mm. and they want them to play like I'm on top of the world looking down on creation that song yeah yeah and they're like we can't play that song we're rock stars and then they like <laughs> talk about how um wh- wh- whoever it is did um God save the queen. Um, oh, Sid, Sid sex, Vicious. Sex, what are they called? Sex Pistols? Sex Pistols, yeah. Did God Save the Queen and then they were like, we'll make it our own and then they come out and they do this like rock version of it. Oh. Um, but that that was great. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we all kind of – other people are coming through this Gilmore Girls revival with the, the knowledge of that as well. And the bit where Taylor talks about how Sutton Foster is the hottest woman he's ever seen and you know that it's such a like theatre boy, yeah. gay theatre boy thing to say because she's like – you know, a theatre girl. It's just really funny. Yeah. But, yeah, at the same time. But that, again, it's also kind of poignant because he's in this small town. He doesn't think he can come out and he's... Whereas everybody in the town now is just like, whatever, gays, yay. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we have enough gays? Yeah, well, that's... You can totally imagine them having a town meeting about setting, like, about Mrs. Kim's antique store appealing to gays doing antiquing in the Northeast kind of thing. You can totally imagine them doing that. But they also have this very stereotypical view of what gay people are, um, which is not exactly helped by the is it duncan yeah character where you're like you guys know that there are other people right that's another thing i mean that's the thing is that diversity has never been gilmore girls strong suit no um and really they should have just had rory and paris get together at the end of the show and that would solve all of their problems (laughs) i'm sure that's the real end game that's got to be end game right like those two are have more chemistry than Rory has ever had with any boyfriend. They're wonderful ever. together, although it is an explosive kind of relationship. Like that would be quite explosive relationship. Well, kind of, but Rory actually settles Paris a lot. Yeah, she is a very stable kind of influence. Yeah, and yeah, in fact, and Paris makes Rory more responsible. Mm. Paris gives her someone to look after. Rory's best when she's got someone she's got to look after. Not just more responsible, but also more. Um, she makes her like aim higher. Yeah. Um. She kind of her her ambition kind of brings Rory along with her, mm. which is because int- Rory is already ambitious, but a lot of the time she needs that extra kick in the but pants not, to not, actually get yeah, something but done. But not like Paris ambitious. Exactly. She's like normal person ambitious. Um. But then again, as much as I don't like Jess, I mean, this revival really made me like Jess a lot more. Uh, yeah. Which all the well, fangirls are going to be so excited about. Well, but I'm like, I just he, but, hated him. But it felt like he really grew. Like I know. he knew he was a little punk, 
And he still kind of got a bit of the naughtiness about him, but he knows that he was a little punk and he's not a little punk anymore. Yeah, like the thing where he's- I get the feeling maybe Milo Ventimiglia also was a little punk and now he knows he's not a little, like he's trying not to be a little punk anymore. But I do anyway. want to say Milo Ventimiglia's acting in this revival was not the best. There were certain moments where I was like, wow, that's cheesy. But that's not the point. There's a bit where he says, um, where he's nice to Luke and then he goes, I only do, um, sincere once was really cute. Yeah. Um, where you're like, he's still kind of the same person, but he's also grown a lot. It's very clear. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. They do kind of have to balance this. Everybody is who you want them to be and who you expect them to be with character growth. But also it's nine years later. And then when you've got two kind of central characters like Luke and Lorelai who don't progress but they don't progress as major character points for them, right? Like the fact that they're not people who have these big arcs who grow a lot is important to both of those characters as people. Luke. Yeah. Um, the, well, I think that's part of what's so good about those two characters is they're real. They mm. like their growth is not sudden and dramatic. Mm. They just get on and they, they feel like real people who lived real lives, have lived real lives or are living real lives and right in the middle of it and things, you know, happen. Well, also they- talking really fast in lots of references, mm. which you would say some people say is not realistic, but they didn't those meet people us. have not met us. <laughs> exactly. Where I was like, I actually went. I was, I was so, it was actually kind of nice to be back in that. I was like, wow, these people make a lot of references because it's been years since I've been, that was all the fashion back then and that was how as teenagers we came of age, used to all that kind of fast-talking stuff. I was kind of comfortable to be back in that. (laughs) There's so many people who are like, it's so unrealistic, and I'm like, this is how we talk. That is definitely how people I know talk and how I talk. All all of us who who do talk like that have got our own podcast now, and so we just kind of (laughs) keep it to our little corner of the world. Yeah, but that's it because, I mean, there were some references that I didn't get, but there were a lot of references that I did get, including some very obscure ones. Yeah. Well, I mean, Amy Sherman Palladino is older than us. She has different references to us. That so. is true. And so is Lorelai. So that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I love her. And I love Lauren Graham. And there's this dress that she wears to the the dinner that she takes Luke to where um Emily's like, you weren't invited. Yeah. That dress, I was like, I want it so bad. Um, And I love her. <laughs> I love Lorelai. A lot of people really love Emily too. And yeah, I'm quite fond of Emily. I see Emily grows on me and then like pulls back and then kind of does it again because I hate passive aggressive, emotionally manipulative people. And Emily is, that is exactly who she is. And that's all of the things she's built up to stop, um, having to be real, having to be real. And, but, but also those are the walls that she builds up, right? That's how she protects herself. Um, and I get that. But at the same time, when she does things like what she did to Lorelai in the therapy sessions, where she makes Lorelai say things and then won't say anything back. And you're just like, oh, I hate it so much. I hate it. And I just so get it, you know. Yeah. And then Emily's so mad at her for these things and she holds on to them for such a long time and they don't – Lorelai keeps trying to get past it. Emily won't and then it throws Lorelai back into it and she kind of yeah. gets stuck in that rut as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I get it. I'm, and then Lorelai gets blamed you, for a lot. I think it like, kind of oh. comes back to what I was saying at the start is that – reason these characters work so well is that because they are so imperfect. Yeah. And they have all these stupid faults and they keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah. Just like real people, but that's why we love them. Yeah. That contentious – I mean, the, the relationship with it, between Emily and Lorelai is so real and frustratingly real Yeah, um, in so many ways. Like, you're always watching that just going, oh, well, my I, God, I, you guys just yeah. can never move past this because you're never going to be able to 
like see eye to eye on any of these yeah, things. Yeah, and it, that's right. Um, I mean, I was just when you said that, I started thinking about the Lorelai Rory relationship is feeling a little too real as well. And in that, Rory spent her whole life growing up thinking that her mother was her friend rather than her mother. But she and is. That's the point yeah, of Gilmore Girls. Well, no, it is that. But she's also her mother, right? Yeah. And so there, and a lot of this this reunion is about negotiating that as adults, negotiating the fact that they are both mother and daughter and also BFF since forever. This is another point at which it's very clear that you didn't watch the later seasons because that became a very big plot point. Um, Rory leaves Yale, drops out of Yale for a while, and Rory and Lorelai don't talk mm. for several months, and it's all about how Lorelai and Rory have to renegotiate their relationship yeah. as mother, as do- and mo- mother and daughter as well as being best yeah. friends. I mean, it also makes sense that that happens again in the reunion because yeah. people make the same mistakes over and over again. They do. Yeah. And the show does. And the show, it does like within the characters, but also within itself. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just, it's kind of surreal mm-hmm. to just be, it to be so, it, it's so Gilmore Girls. It just is the show. Mm. Like it feels like we're just seeing, going back to a small town and seeing old friends. Well, it feels like they've, like us, have been living their lives the last seven years. Yeah. Oh, not seven years, like nine years, and have come back in to say hello for a bit. Mm. And with all of the baggage that comes with that. Um, is there anything else that we've missed? I, I feel I, like, I feel like we've covered a lot of it. But, I mean, there's obviously lots of little detail things that we didn't they get to. They the music. They do the exactly the same score as well. Um, yeah, right over the wedding and then... That all that yeah. stuff. Actually, having the wedding just be music and not sound made it very effective to me. Yeah, especially on Gilmore Girls, where there's not that's not a trope of it. If it had been on Lost or something, you'd be like, yeah. "Oh, this again." Yeah, but it's not something that Gilmore Girls did a lot. Yeah. Oh, I don't like the cheesy opening titles for each one, mm. where like they would do a bit when then and then they go into a title that said summer and yeah, st- yeah, I was, hate that. Yeah. That was gross. Um. <laughs> yeah, but sh- that that wedding was, I think, quite um. It reflected the characters, like who were getting married. It was subtle. It was not the not a big show. It was well, that's, secret. It was it was very much them, I, and you could you hear didn't it as see well. This either, but their first engagement, the first time they got engaged, hmm. Luke and Lorelai, they do a very similar thing. She, they kind of get engaged in the. Um, Presumably, he's kept that ring, and that's the ring that he pulls out. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, he's they, adorable. They do it in the diner, and Lorelai proposes to Luke. Which is she does in this as yeah, well. Exactly. And Lorelai proposes to Luke and then they like get really excited and they go out and they try and find some like champagne and then they end up in the gazebo and they toast to their engagement in the gazebo. It's the same it like it's a yeah. it's a big uh, throwback moment, which is really, really, really sweet. Um Aww, that's nice. And the priest is the same guy, which was also cool. Aww. Um yeah. So yeah, the fact that it ended on that, um, the everybody made such a big deal out of the last four words Amy as well. Amy Sherman Palladino made a big fuss about that. That's why they did a whole campaign about it. Yeah, as though that was going to be such a big deal. I know. And then you hear them, and you're like, "Well, yeah, of like course. obviously of that's going to how this is ending." Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you know, I, uh, and that's probably why she chose those last four words. She was like, "This is how it has to end." And I'm like, right. "Yeah, of course, okay, fair it makes enough, perfect sense." But at the same time, yeah, it the build up was kind of like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm almost glad also that it happened now nine years later rather than when the show was going to initially end because mm. um, I like the idea of Rory having a very different journey to her mother because yes. she still would have been really a young mother in the original if it had happened then, but now she's going to have a really different storyline because uh, yes. she's older. I was thinking about this, exactly. Um, Rory coming, because what, she'd been about 23 when it finished or 25 maybe? 
it's, it's 2007. She started when she was 16. So, so yeah, 23 or 24. Yeah. So she, tw- and yeah, being pregnant then is very, very different. Yeah. I mean, I know Amy Sherman Palladino clearly has no understanding of what actual millennial life is like because she, she's like, oh, people are moving back from Brooklyn because Brooklyn is over. No, people are moving out of Brooklyn because they can't afford to live there if they're a creative type or a journalist because there are no jobs in those fields. Oh my God, you idiot. It's also funny because Amy, Amy Sherman Palladino, I think just as a person is quite divorced from what real life is for anybody at any stage. That's probably true. Um, I don't think she's ever kind of lived a real life day in yeah. her life. But, but, but the being a she's young... She's so quirky and yeah. so... Rory, like being a young mother, like Lane is doing that already. Lane is being a young mother and she's mm. taken that path. And like Paris has obviously had kids it's somewhere sad, in the middle. Lane really hasn't, really hasn't progressed. no. And part of the thing, like, I, I know I've said this before, oh, it's sad that she had babies so young because then, you know, she had so much potential and everyone's like, well, no, having a kid is not the end of your life. You can still do other things. Lane is smart. She will move on. She'll do other things. Um, but she hasn't. No, and they, maybe, they all got – but they, they made a big deal out of Zach getting stuck in that life. Like, you know, I'm not me yet, that stuff. But they never really talk about how Lane got yeah. stuck there too. Um, Lane yeah. is just still nice to Rory and that's about it. And that was sad. They they really wasted the potential of that character. I don't think they knew what to do with her after high school, to be honest. No. Um. Um. Yeah. She never survived Adam Brody. Um. But uh, yeah, that's what. Yeah. It's yeah. really that she never survived but the loss also, of Adam yeah, Brody. Like she she's taken that route. Um. Uh. Paris has taken the very conventional: get married, have the kids, have the nice house, have the big job, get all oh, the degrees. Oh, we saw Mister Kim too. Yeah, we did. Uh, oh, she, Sorry, she took that kind of route. Yeah, um, Rory's kind of meandered around a bit and but ended then up Paris ended up running a, a fertility, fertility clinic. Fertility clinic. Yeah. A surrogacy clinic mm. of all things. Yeah. Like okay. Where did that come from? Oh, I became a doctor and then a lawyer and then a scientist. <laughs> but it also feels very much like they tried to fit her into the show. Yeah. Well, um, they wanted true. her in the show more so that they gave yeah, her a it, role it that would felt fit. a little little odd. Because um, the fact that she's not like a mm. politician or um a something lawyer. like that. Yeah. yeah, that's uh that would make more sense. Shocking. Um, and, and so. Or maybe she does that on the side. Yeah. And so I like there, you do kind of have these three different paths of like the sort of. The, oh God, in France. Of, of motherhood. Oh yeah. That was random. I'm actually surprised that the other two girls didn't come back now that I think about it. Mm. Um, you know, the two friends that, that. Paris's Crab and Goyle? Yeah. Mm. Um, what were their names? I don't no, remember. I don't remember. I'm surprised they didn't come back. I don't know. Sorry, That's I kept all right. interrupting you because I keep thinking of all these things. No, I, I'm just thinking about how it's like there's like three different paths of motherhood. You know, Lane's version, Paris's version, and then now Rory's version, which yeah. is like um, or Lorelai's version. Well, there's Lor- or Emily's yeah, version. Yeah, that's all these different paths that they could take. But I mean, three women of the same generation and yeah. taking their different the different paths that they've all taken. Um, but it yeah. does in Gilmore Girls' world, if you're not Lorelai, it seems like your life just kind of stops when you have kids. There's, I think there's a reason we never see Suki's kids. Yeah. Suki well, I mean, obviously Paris's life didn't stop when she had kids, but her life became helping other people have kids. She was the only person, though, and yeah. she divorced Doyle and she, her storyline actually moved. Lane and uh, Dean and, yeah. like, people like that just don't go anywhere. Once they have kids, that's it. That's all they do with their lives. So there's that kind of idea. Which is disturbing, but yeah. Yeah. I I love the clash between Emily and Lorelai on what it means to get married to. Mm. Where oh yeah, that was really interesting. Well, and, and but also Emily coming to realize that she spent her whole life being Mrs. Richard Gilmore, and she's Emily, 
like she and actually becoming Emily Gilmore. That is also a storyline that they did on the original show when Richard and Emily broke up temporarily. Oh, right. <laughs> they did They did a little bit of that. And there's this, there's a really funny line, it's actually. Funny. It's possible that Amy Sherman Palladino and I both didn't watch the last season <laughs> and we both just No, that go. wasn't the last season. That was much earlier. Oh, um, right. the, the, you know the photo of Emily and Richard that was next to the big yep, picture yep. at his funeral? That's a photo from their vow renewal that they did after oh, right. that stuff happened. Um, but there is a really funny um, – oh, that's that's when, when Richard and Emily broke out broke up Emily had a similar breakdown to like the selling all the stuff bit and she drinks a lot during the day and she has this bit where she's I think Richard says only hookers drink in the middle of the day and she's like well then give me a feather boa because I'm open open for business I know that that I recognize that gif yeah (laughs) I know that one yeah that bit is um I think all the kind of best Emily Gilmore moments when when she's separated from Richard and it's oh, it's it's like it's very sad that this show really only happened because Ed Herman died, right? And they thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice to all get together again? And like, it's it's sad that person really died, but it's also like, um, but look what it's like this this You'd kind be of so happy, I think, to see what happened, right? And also Emily's character growth, like it, him dying, allowed her a heck of a lot of character growth. It was it's like a you know reverse fridging kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, we should probably end it there. Yes, we just talked about Ed Herman again. I think it's a good. All right. circle bit to finish it on. Okay, fair enough. Thank you for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read the show notes or find old episodes, they're on the website, silverscreenqueens.com. Uh, if you'd like to read Katie, no, you won't read Katie's review of Gilmore Girls because it's not a movie. Um, if you want to read Katie's You can read some tweets that I made about it. <laughs> of any of any of the movies that we watch, uh, they're on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, uh, at screen underscore queens on Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Silver Screen Queens and Tumblr.SilverScreenQueens.com on Tumblr. And also don't forget Canberra people that we have a Rogue One screening coming Yay. up on the 16th of December. If you want to come along, watch the movie with us and then be part of our live episode, we would love to see you there. So if you just uh, jump again on our website, SilverScreenQueens.com for tickets and you can find them there. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>